episode is brought to you ad-free thanks to all of our wonderful patrons. You can help us keep the show going by joining at patreon.com slash shonenflop. And welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. Also, David. Yes. Interesting that you said that this uh, this manga was in Shonen Jump. I don't know. I just... Uh... <laughs> it wasn't, but they'll find out. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. We cover manga that usually run in Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. <laughs> yeah, usually. <laughs> but next week, we will be talking about a canceled Shonen Jump series. We'll be talking about Duran Duran. So get really? ready for that. <laughs> yes. So if you'd like to read along <laughs> with us, be sure to join the discussion in our Discord and submit your six-word summary. Get a final link to it in our episode description or on our website, shonenflop.com. But this week, we're talking about Duranki, and we are joined by our guest, the wonderful Ross. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Hey. Oh, oh, I am so excited to have you on. Ross, do you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? I am a League of Legends YouTuber. Don't turn off the podcast based on hearing that, I promise. <laughs> I promise it's not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> I consume an, an, an inordinate amount of manga, manhwa, anime, etc. as well. I also run an East Asian-inspired uh, clothing company called Psycho Apparel, which mm-hmm. we do... I actually don't know if I can, like, leak it. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Dylan, cut that out. Yeah, don't tell me. <laughs> Corporate espionage. I think we can say that we have some cool um, actual anime collaboration things happening in the near future that people oh. should hopefully be excited for. Yeah. Oh, that'll be very exciting. I'm excited for it. Yeah, and I'm super excited to have you on. I remember we actually found out, uh, got you in touch because we had someone from your team reach out about sponsorship for the show. We just realized that because we don't have a large overlap with the British market, it just wasn't a good arrangement at the time. But we were like, oh, Ross sounds like an awesome dude. Still love to have him on. So very excited. I think you are our first Scottish guest, if memory serves. We've had three people from England, but finally we're having the better (laughs) half of the aisle. There's not a deep bench for Scottish YouTubers, really. So it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of competition, you know. <laughs> yeah, I also want to shout out you, Ross, for saying the word based in our chat because Jordan thinks I'm the only one who says based. <laughs> David, no. Yeah, I know for a fact you're not the only one. It's just that you just started saying it out of nowhere one day. Like, I've known you forever. You never used that word until, like, a quarter into Shonen Flop. You just started saying it. Because the kids do. No regrets whatsoever. Okay, all right, all right. I was going on 4chan when I was, like, 12, 13 years old with my friends. So that's where I got based from. Horrible place, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's where I picked up base from. I think my issue with base is that I do associate it with 4chan a lot. Have you guys seen that that 4chan green text where a guy was in chemistry class and someone asked, what is this teacher asked, what's the opposite of base? Uh, and the guy and the guy said cringe. Uh, <laughs> we are having some fun. Alright, but shall we move into the manga details? Yes, we shall. So, per Tucker, this title is a reference to Mesopotamian mythology. Duranke, also called Iker, is kind of like the Sumerian equivalent of Mount Olympus in Greek mythology. I also, by the way, didn't know for a long time Mount Olympus was a real location. And apparently it's not very hard to climb, so I want to do that at some point. It's one of those things where, like, they were all just kind of living there and like, man, I wonder what's up on that mountain. Hmm, probably the gods. That's where they live, right? And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Ross, have you ever ever been to Greece? I've never been to Greece, but like I have a solid interest in like uh, Greek mythology. Oh, awesome! Yeah, right. As well as that, like I know it's like I think it's like slightly southeast or something, but like uh, your your Spartans and all that kind of stuff as well. Like I really like that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, 
I've only been to Rome, which is actually not that relevant to this. Keep going, yeah. David, please. Yeah. But that's the big thing to point out is that this series is actually not based on Christian mythology at all. It's just Christianity is very interesting that it takes a lot of mythos from other ideas. And I'll definitely get into that in the miscellaneous thoughts. But as we hear the discussion of Ark, just know that it is not actually a Christian metaphor. It is a reference to Mesopotamia, which had a very similar idea of a flood in a world's heart. Excuse me, David. These are I, I don't see Jesus anywhere. This is Judaism. <laughs> this is fucking Old Testament shit. All right. I don't remember Noah in the fucking New Testament. You're right. You're right. Yeah. All right. But <laughs> this is this series. Or, I don't remember Artemis from the Old Testament or the New Testament either, actually. Artemis Fowl? No. I, have, I haven't talked about Artemis Fowl in like 15 years. I'm not. I, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this series was created by Jordan. Who is this manga by? A little guy known, uh, known as uh, Kentaro Miura. <laughs> Motherfucking yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Ross, <laughs> what uh, what's his no- most notable work that our listeners may have heard of? Uh, it's a bit of an indie title. Yeah. <laughs> In a small. Yeah. Basically like a slice of life. Manga. <laughs> yeah. 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 Has some really good CG live ad- uh, oh, CG oh, adaptations so as well. So wonderful, yeah. right? They really improved it with the 3D, right? It's uh, yeah. Guts's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, yes. <laughs> Part seven. Guts, Guts. Yeah. Hawk tendency. You joke, but like, we'll get into it. Uh, this is kind of the steel ball run of Berserk, but yeah. Can I just say as well, right? Yeah. 2016, 2017. It was okay. And, yeah. and now <laughs> let me just say, before anybody jumps on the, the fucking pitch for bandwagon, it was okay because the story is so good. Yeah. Yes. That I'm like, I don't care. The sound design was kind of funny, but also had a good soundtrack for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also... Um, I forgot what the third point was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like One Piece, where the anime is a terrible adaption, but One Piece is just so good, even a bad anime adaption of One Piece is still watchable. I was so starved for Berserk content at that point. I think it was. I was just like, I'll take anything. No, I get it, yeah. Same with, like, Hunter x Hunter as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mura could have just been like, I don't care, we're just going to do whatever. Could be animatics, it could just be like sketches that have got like voice acting, and I'd be like, this shit kind of go hard though, man. What the hell? It's true. <laughs> I love it. Also, to be fair to Berserk, the 90s anime kind of fucking kicks ass. Like, there have been multiple adaptations of the Golden Age arc of Berserk, which have actually been very good. It's just that the most recent one, oof. <laughs> The yeah. thing is, for me, though, like, after the whole fucking eclipse and shit like that, like, I, that's where I think everything starts to ramp up. Like, yeah, Golden Age arc is all well and good and stuff, like, Band of the Hulk, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I want to see, like, him fighting the Apostles, like, Terror yeah. Conviction and, like, Beyond and, like, all that kind of stuff, fighting the Kraken, like, all that good stuff. But uh, I have yeah. to deal with it in, like, <laughs> CG, I guess, yes. to, some, to some degree. I know we could talk about Berserk forever, and I'm sure it'll come up, but just for the oh, interest of yes, time... <laughs> Let me wrap this up with the fact that it ran from September 9th, 2019 to May 9th, 2020, and it was six chapters in one volume. And unfortunately, as we talked about the chibi, this is the second series we have read where the author is no longer with us. The first being Godspeed, which, Ross, do not worry about that series sucked. Yeah, you don't need to read that. Wasn't that yeah. also like six <laughs> chapters? I think it was like 12 double yeah. chapters or something. Yeah, it definitely felt longer. It was all about angels with giant boobs. Yo. Yeah, which it's not as good as it sounds. Well, I don't know. Hmm, depending on what you're looking for. Just look it up. If you like giant <laughs> thick angels that are like eight feet tall, that's your series for you. I mean, like I kind of liked Record of Ragnarok, so I don't know. 
If you like Record for Ragnarok, you might like Godspeed. I mean, Godspeed is also literally a Berserk ripoff. There are yeah. so many things from it that are just, oh, you took that from Berserk. Yes. <laughs> but speaking, though, of things that are similar to the plot of Berserk, why don't we get into about the manga where we can hear Jordan's fantastic plot summary. So, Jordan, though, please kick things off. Usumgalu is the intersex child of the ancient Sumerian gods, but they are human, kinda. As an infant, they're found by a guy who is more or less just literally Noah, like from the Bible, and his wife. Oh, I think you mean the Old Testament as you literally said, oh, this has nothing to do with Christianity. This is all Old Testament. David, David, yes. the Old Testament is also called the Bible. Anyway, they raise them on the mountain. Usum is a genius, able to invent a water wheel as well as a saddle to ride on their giant fantastic dog i love that fucking dog reminds me of my old dog you remember mm -hmm. smoky david i do i remember smoky well yes they do all of this while hanging out with their god friend pan and dancing naked with nymphs usum gets sick of the mountain and invents the crossbow allowing them to defend themselves as they descend into the world of man usum who by the way looks exactly like griffith from Brazil. Zerk saves a band of hawkish children from a wild boar. The kids are led by Kurda, who looks exactly like Guts from Berserk. And like in Berserk, Kurda develops a massive crush on Usum. Berserk, 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 Berserk. <laughs> Popcorn David. Usum gives them their new crossbow invention, including a massive five-shot bow for the big fat kid who I must relate to. Thanks, Jordan, for having me read that line. This helps them when they're attacked by wolves and Griffith, I mean, Usum, wink, is able to use their cunning and tactical genius to outsmart them, and the kids are again saved. The kids celebrate by relaxing in a hot spring, and Usum joins them, despite being nervous about having their intersexuality discovered, but the kids don't notice. Then they go back to the village of Tossi, where we discover that Kurta was actually the prince, and all the boys have dads who look like villains from Berserk, and Kurta actually has a really sickly, nice mom who didn't give birth to him after being hanged from a tree. The kids train with their dads and fight off a bear while they have cute moments together. Noah tells Usum to be careful getting involved in the struggles of Tassie Village, which is in the process of rebelling from a much stronger nation. Usum hears a scream, which they then fall into a cave and discover a goddamn manticore threatening a woman and a child. Usum's crossbow fails to pierce Samantico's armor, but Kurta suddenly appears to stab it in the back, and then... <coughs> Kentaro Mura died. <coughs> yeah. I know, you're just choking up there. And Ross, I appreciate you just being ready. You didn't even need me to set the signal. You're like, you've been in secondary school. You know how this plays out when it's your yeah. turn to read. You yeah, just yeah, get yeah. emotionally ready. You're checking to make sure you know how to say all the words in the, <laughs> the block of text. David is impressed that you properly pronounced things, basically. I can't do that. <laughs> well, you already taught me how to pronounce the cities in Scotland, so I knew you've got it. David, how do you say the city that uh, he taught you how to pronounce? Edinburgh. Hey! I used to do script read all the time. It's fine. Oh, cool! So you're you're like a trained uh, you're trained. No, 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 no. Don't say trained. No, I, I mean like I used to, I used to make scripted videos. Like Ooh. I used to uh, do video okay. essays about champions and shit. That's, oh, that's that cool. many years ago. But it was like, yeah, I'm just gonna spit. Out, uh, I've, I've got to get this video up by next this week. Or I'll just spit out, like four thousand words about this oh, fucking champion. Just fucking spit those fire bars. Always go with the first draft. So then, Ross, then why don't you tell us about the first champion of the series, the main character? So, Usum Gallo 
I don't think people react to them nearly the way that they should. And I understand that we're living in a world where, like, literally, like, a fucking waterfall comes to life and is like, yo, what's up, boys? Like, get in. <laughs> but, like, they literally, like, invented irrigation and yeah. nobody seems to have, like, the reaction to it. Like, holy crap, this kid just, like, made a fucking aqueduct out of nothing. And I know that, like, they're standing next to a literal mythical creature, a satyr. But imagine, right, they're talking, like, the Dark Ages and then some kid pulls up and they've like, they're like I've invented the 9mm Glock 18 yeah. and then they just pull this out like you don't think that people are going to go absolutely ape shit for like that being made Usum invented a crossbow shotgun that just yeah. like fires five fucking crossbow bolts you just won like every war at this time like what could stop that like unless it's like oh the enemy nation is like super advanced i don't think they were it's like you give everyone in that village those fucking crossbows you kind of win it's like crossbows were one of the most important inventions for military history because it meant anyone could pretty much be in the military now. yeah or as they showed you literally need no physical conditioning to use a crossbow and then the gun nation attacked. No, what's cool about Usum is that they're they're Griffith. They just yeah. are. They are Griffith from Berserk. Like there's so many things that map directly onto Usum. For one thing, Griffith is constantly shown as being this very androgynous figure who is like mm -hmm. embodies a lot of the a lot of the aspects of masculine and feminine. And that's literally Usum. Griffith is extremely smart, extremely tactical. Again, that is Usum. And Griffith showed up and led a band of kids who have direct analog to every member of the band of the hawk well the main ones anyway there's like a hundred people in the band of the hawk but yeah when i realized that that just kind of added an entirely new dimension to how i appreciated this story mm -hmm. also as we talked about they are born of the gods but they are not divine and the, uh their name means dragon which is i think really cool yeah, that's pretty badass. I, I think it's really funny at the at the beginning of the the series. There's like a you know that TV show Maury where he's like, <laughs> "You are not the father." Or Jerry Springer. It's like yeah, I can't remember what God it is. He's like, "Oh, my child." He's like, and then there's just some like uh like like half merman weird like sea creature that's like, "I'm sorry, but but like it ain't yours." Like, <laughs> wait, is it half is it half mermaid? Like just one of their legs. It's almost like a kelpie. It's almost like, it's, a, it's not an actual fish, is it? I know that there's the council of fish surrounding them, which yeah. are just fish with old man faces, but... Hey, Ross, <laughs> you want to you hear a cool fact about me? I'm half mermaid. Oh, really? What half? Jordan was actually half mermaid, half minotaur. <laughs> but he got the wrong half, so he's just some dude. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a joke, David. <laughs> <laughs> I actually found out a fun fact in Dungeons & Dragons. If you're a Minotaur, you automatically succeed if someone casts the maze spell on you, which just seems like such a strange, <laughs> strange good. note to be in that spell in Dungeons & Dragons. Minotaurs have a lot of experience. But yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, you want to talk about Pan? Yeah, so they are a satyr. They're a nice boy, plays a flute, likes yogurt with honey. Very wholesome. Clearly, like, like the kind of fun mascot character. Just wholesome. They can transform. They get their tail bitten off by a wolf. They're kind of the embodiment of that, like, suit-required character to be in, like, the Disney yeah. movie so that little kids have someone they like. It's like the snowman guy from Frozen. This is what Mira does in Berserk all the time. He'll have, like, these really just, like, everybody will be, like, these chiseled, experienced, like, scarred warriors. And and then they'll just have like a little nymph kind of hanging around, like, you know, like a little fairy dude. Puck, right? Yeah. Huh? In Berserk. Sorry, we're talking mm -hmm. about Berserk yeah, again. It's, it's Puck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get like a little girl who's like cute witch. Mm-hmm. 
that's another thing that happens in Berserk. I think Miura does that for a reason, and that is if nothing is there, then Berserk is just unbelievably dark. Like, so, so dark. Yeah, it's like all the, the humor that's needed for Chainsaw Man. Yeah, I bet Fujimoto loves Berserk. But yeah, Pan is kind of, is a little annoying, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm really curious how Pan would have developed throughout the series, but it sounds like Pan probably would have stayed pure instead of being like a dark twist. I don't know. If, if Pan was in Berserk, he would be like an evil monster. Yeah. Yes. Like, it would be like, oh, I'm, I'm just a cute little satyr, ha, 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 ha. And then anyway, so I'm coming to the forest, and then there's all these, all the evil trees with their big fucking tentacle fucking branches, like, blah, 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 you know? <laughs> oh, jeez. Berserk is a manga about uh, traumatizing, basically. It's a manga about how people get traumatized, more or less. Like, it is the most triggering manga I've ever read. Speaking of Berserk, why don't we get into the guy, <laughs> Little Guts, as I like to call him. So, Jordan, tell us about Kurt. Oh, man. So I love Kurta for a few reasons. First of all, he looks exactly like Guts to the point where in Berserk, Guts makes like this one weird little facial expression where like he looks like he's nervously smiling, but like his eyebrows are like angry. It's like this weird kind of iconic thing he does. And Kurta does that, too. So which 100% tipped me off. Oh, this is intentional. 100% intentional, especially just the fact that Kurta like immediately just falls in love with with uh, Usum that is, again, extremely guts, extremely berserk, bisexual icon. And the thing I like about this manga, and I think is interesting, is that it's basically like, what if Guts, uh, what if Guts, like, had a nice upbringing and people, uh, people loved him and his life wasn't fucking horrible from literally the second he was born? Like, yeah. I mentioned in the outline, if you don't know, David, I know you haven't really read much of Berserk, so mm -hmm. if, for people who don't no, Guts was literally born from a woman who was hanged from a tree. Like, he just fell out as she died. Mm -hmm. So, it's nice to see him in a situation where he has a loving mother and he's in a safe, well, safe-ish place, but, like, he has people who care about him. It was like, oh, this is nice, okay. You know, it's, like, really interesting because I have totally read that character very differently from you. Really? I mean, and honestly, I feel like it draws a lot of parallels to Guts. So, like, obviously, like, Guts' whole story is, like, revenge for his fallen brothers, right? Yes. He wants to kill as many apostles as possible, and he's avenging all those people that he lost and, like, the, the like, then with from all of Griffith's nonsense. But, like, in mm -hmm. this, I feel like it's a different type of pressure for, like, Kurta in that he is the heir to... Yeah like a kingdom that is not doing that well mm -hmm, and that yes. it's already been it's already been caught in the throes of war and like he's got a lot of pressure for I and mean, you see him walking down the street and everybody's like oh my liege my lord all this stuff and he's just a kid yeah and it's like all the pressure of like an entire village of people who are eventually going to have to rely on his leadership to like pr prosper essentially mm -hmm, so like yeah. it's almost like a similar level of pressure from guts where guts has to avenge all of his fallen brothers but it's almost like this is like preemptive guts it's like he has to stop all of his entire village from eventually being killed in a political war or being caught up in, I don't know, fucking manicure attacks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> crazy. Oh, my God. Last chapter. Right as the series is getting good. <laughs> ah. yeah. How dare he die? That was so rude. Yeah. It's crazy that we've like totally read the characters like very differently, but like, mm -hmm. I mean, he is in a safe place, but you know that that isn't necessarily going to be the case if the series continued. Oh, absolutely. And obviously, like, he relies on his mother for comfort, but his mother is very ill as well. So, like, mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's cool. That's very true. I guess I guess what I meant more is like compared to Berserk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is sunshine and rainbows compared to the world of Berserk. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. A shoe is gonna drop. You could absolutely tell. They're like they're gearing up for war. Some horrible shit's gonna happen. His mom is sick. She's gonna die. Obviously, things are going to fall to shit. But it's just nice to see like this brief snapshot where it's like this gutsish character is like, oh, okay, this is this is kind of what he would be like if uh, from literally the get go it wasn't awful. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you have to have like the first like ten chapters be like Kane, so that Mura can rip your goddamn heart out, you know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> modus operandi there. Do we feel good though about starting to actually get into our more distilled thoughts about the series? So why don't mm-hmm. we get into why it failed? So Ross, though, as our humble guest, can you please tell us what were some things that you really didn't enjoy about our the six chapter experience, as I'll call it now, of this series? Why well, didn't enjoy? Yes. What was something that stood out to you you did not enjoy about this? Like, all the naked kids. <laughs> like, oh my god, oh they just would not god. stop drawing naked oh kids. <laughs> Dear Lord, it brought me back to a time where I was actually in Tokyo, and I was like, holy crap. I don't know I don't know if anecdotal stories are allowed to be told on this. this you can say whatever podcast. you want, my friend. You know the Akihabara Sega Arcade? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a bookstore underneath it, and my friend wanted to get his little brother a copy of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 1, or like mm-hmm. Volume 1 or whatever, in original Japanese. And I was yep. like, that's such an awesome present. Yeah. Okay, Google, where's the nearest bookstore? Ah, Mango Books or Mango Tea Books or something like that. So anyway, mm-hmm. we descend down what can only be described as the Titty Stairs, which mm-hmm. is wallpaper all over the floor ceiling walls of tits like anime tits as we walk down (laughs) okay sounding good so far everything is just like like hentai (laughs) i'm walking around the store with my partner Maisie, and i'm I'm like what the hell i'm waiting for the negative here i don't think they've got jojo here (laughs) but anyway i walk down an aisle and i stand next to this like maybe 40 mid 40s like japanese guy and i look and there's like a little sign in english and it says little sister and i like looked at some of the books and i was like "Uh oh and i I just went to my partner Maisie. i was like Maisie, we gotta get the fuck out of here right (laughs) oh gosh Honestly, this just brought me like straight back. I was like, my God, what the hell is going on, man? It is definitely the most uncomfortable aspect of this uh, of this series. And honestly, kind of Mirror's work in general. This is not the first time or the only time he's done this. Yeah. As we discussed in the Chibi, I think he does approach it from a more classical art Mm -hmm. perspective. But it is still very awkward to experience when you are reading the manga. I saw someone make a post where it's like every single manga anime has some level of weird manga anime bullshit associated with it. Yes. Yeah. You always have to deal with that no matter what. This series has such a high amount. Like, I don't even know how you can recommend this to someone because you just have to straight. Like, how do you not tell like a crazy person? Be like, the series is really interesting to read if you ignore all the child nudity in it. Yeah. You know, it's like Made in yeah. Abyss. Because Made in the Abyss has the same fucking problem where I had to stop reading that manga in public because they just kept having like topless 12 year olds. Here. It feels like when Usum is sexualized a lot of the time, it's for uh, because Kurt is looking at them, yeah. you know, and it's also they're drawn in the same way as uh, as Griffith is kind mm-hmm. of it's yeah, it's I, comfortable. It's uncomfortable. I, I, Let's, <laughs> it's just also not really necessary. I guess there's supposed to be something led to the fact that like Usum is like a divine being and like yes. also like pure of heart, I suppose. So like I would imagine that's what Mira is trying to like get across like this yes. is a pure like divine vain being yes just a bit weird bro <laughs> it just doesn't mesh well with our western sensibilities i guess uh. which is ironic because this is 
based on Western. Yeah. But yeah. And then does anyone have any other negatives that are not related to child nudity? I know that is definitely the number one thing, but just for fairness, properly criticizing the series. I mean, I'm just going to say Western sensibilities of like Greece. I'm almost 100% certain that like Zeus, like in all these different pantheons of old, like had sex with sheep as a joke yeah. and like weird <laughs> crap like that. So maybe it is completely in line with Western sensibilities. Yeah. It's, just Western yeah. Sens- it's just Western sensibilities of like 1600 years ago, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And honestly, pretty tame compared to some of the shit Zeus was up to up on the fucking Mount Olympus yeah. back in the day. Oh, the ancient Greeks would not give a shit about naked children. I I promise you, they would not have cared. (laughs) Yeah, they would have been like, what's so weird about this series? Yeah, (laughs) honestly, my other issue, and this might be surprising, but the art. The art vacillates between being very good and being like Uncanny Valley sometimes. Yeah, they're trying to emulate his art style, but no one can draw like that. So it just looks like it's just really overdone. There are moments where it's like, oh, dude, you fucked up that line. You should have just like redrawn that. It just would have taken a ton of effort to do. But man, you should have. And the eyes, the eyes are not great. They put in like this extra ring around the pupil. It really makes them look weird. Yeah. And there are moments where they used like way too many tiny lines and you kind of lose the overall form. Overall, other than that, though, it looks great. It's just that like I then went to Berserk after reading this opened up a random chapter and it just looks better does the post author deaf chapters of berserk have this issue as well i have not gotten there oh okay i don't know about you ross are you completely up to speed with berserk i'm not completely up to speed with berserk last time i looked it was when they were oh crap it was like when they're in like some like middle ground area where it's like a safe zone and that was actually the time when mira died yeah that was like the latest chapter and i was like honestly Mm. we just ended it here like that's kind of nice at least it's a time where like guts actually has a chance to relax for a bit and think like uh take a rest big guy (laughs) i like to let chapters pile up because if i read it i'm gonna read for like an hour so i need to like have enough chapters that exist oh yeah for me to like actually sit down and read. I'm not much of a weekly reader. Yeah, that's totally fair. Unrelated to the art. I feel the pacing is kind of weird in that, let's be real, he should have known when he made this series, he was going to... To die? Yeah, well, no, just like, <laughs> I mean, like they still, he still only did six chapters in like two years when he was alive. And it is yeah. not paced like that. Like he wrote it like it was consistently going to have chapters come out because he God airs out every single scene in this manga where their chapters were literally a more efficient, like in Chainsaw Man, the entire scene would have been probably five pages and he takes like 30 because he just wants to go into as much detail as he wants. And I get he's writing more of this for him than anyone else. But it also means like you got to know your limits as an author and like be like, if you have a story you want to tell, you got to be more efficient based on the rate that you produce material. I kind of disagree. Like, because the thing is, this definitely seemed like a side gig to him. Yeah, it literally was. I mean, he was like, the reason he didn't draw it is so we could work on Berserk. I mean, uh, this is a series where if it went for 50 chapters, I think we would look back on it and go, well, it kind of started a little slow. You know, it's just that we never, ever got we were just getting over that hill. It started to get way better around chapter four Mm -hmm. and then it ends at six. Exactly. And I mean, that's yeah. something we, it, there's limits to how much you can criticize a series that literally end because the author died. 
Yeah, I, it's interesting about the pacing though, because like you know, I didn't put two and two together because obviously I know the run date was like 2019, 2021. Yeah. So like in my head, I didn't put together like, oh wait, six chapters that can't have been weekly then, because that wouldn't have yeah. been a very long run. But I mean, it's interesting that like Mura actually or like the, the studio that was, that was doing it was like we're holding on to like, okay, we're gonna do this scene and by God, we're gonna do it because I think like Tagashi who does like Hunter Hunter has a tendency of like obviously with his very long hiatuses, his vision changes for like what he wants to do so occasionally there'll be parts during a hiatus where he'll be like this thing is happening he's like okay fuck this i, j- I want to get on to the next thing so he just like blasts through the thing that he's been working that's been in the like the the series like the focus of it for like yeah. last year and he's like I'm, I'm gonna fucking end this right now so it's done in three chapters <laughs> he moves on to like the next thing that he enjoys <laughs> or the next thing that he wants to do oh rocky does that too all the time All right. So speaking of you, Jordan, and nice things, let's get into the positives. Birthday boy, Jordan, happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you. Jordan, so tell us, what were some things you enjoyed about this? Okay, well, generally, the art is really good. The art's, like, really good. (laughs) The animals in particular, all of the beasts, look absolutely fantastic. Like, the wolves look amazing. The bear is, like, massive. The manticore is terrifying. I mean, it's really just really good art. There's a couple hiccups, as I talked about, but generally speaking, it is, like, some grade-A shit. And another thing that I like is um, there really aren't any exposition boxes in Mm -hmm. here. It's all just, like, characters talking and thinking, and it's pretty effective. Like, you don't really get... uh, There might be, like, one or two little exposition dumps but they're very minor and they're not even like dumps just like one or two little things that happen like there, there's like two old guys talking and it's like oh well we got to go to the war oh i'd fight in the war too but even that's like not really the same thing mira is just very good at communicating things with like not that many words honestly mm-hmm. that's fair and along with that, as we talked about, the paneling is also super efficient. They yes. definitely have these interesting uses of flashbacks that are shown in real time, for lack of a better term. And I just think how also the kids feel like kids. Yeah. It's very hard to write intelligent children because then they just feel like they're adults that are small. These feel like there's certainly a sense of innocence and understanding or a lack of understanding or wisdom. But you can still see that they're still highly intelligent. Oh, yeah. In how they treat yeah. very complicated situations like the wolves, where like they didn't have necessarily the experience to say, oh, let's go into a cave and fight one by one. But they saw the cave and said, oh, this could be a really good opportunity, you know, because they've never had to fight wolves in this situation before. Yeah, like they smoked them out and stuff. That was cool. There's only like a couple of glimpses of it in the entire six chapter run. But like just seeing like Mura's monster design every so often come out. Like I was saying earlier, they, they leave a offering of a boar head on top of a rock. And then like it comes back to it and it's like this like moss giant thing that's like morphed yeah. out of it. And I'm like, that's awesome. The waterfall creature like deity that helps him escape from the wolves. Even like the weird fish with like old men heads. And the, <laughs> like the first chapter as well. I'm just like... Like, this has got like Mira's grubby mitts like all over it. <laughs> Absolutely. And like just seeing like a little bit more of like that outside of like the berserk setting or what have you is is, is really really cool. I, I like the manticore obviously as well as like the showpiece of the whole thing. But just like even just like subtle stuff that only appear for like one panel is like this is a kind of unnerving like creature that apparently is just like a god of the forest and it's horrifying looking. But um, they just kind of accept it and it's yeah I don't know I I just love seeing like those little uh, they're so cool world building monsters yeah they look so cool i also really like how the waterfall deity looks like billy from adventure time (laughs) 
<laughs> it could have actually been inspired given the timeline of it. Genuinely could have been. Wasn't Billy voiced by Lou Ferrigno? Was he? That would I make sense. He... No, so this series is really cool, just like the way that it is slowly ramping up. Like the pacing is a little slow for something that came out over two years, but like just reading it really quickly, there is like this ramping up and you can feel it. We never get there. But like right when it ends, it's almost like um like the chapter is called like what human horror in paradise or something. Yeah. And it really just felt like ah, this is when things are gonna get are gonna go off the deep end. Right in the next chapter, shit's going to go off the fucking deep end. <laughs> but it was really interesting the way that it was like, um, oh, wow, you see all these kids and then Usum shows up and Usum introduces like war technology to these kids. It yeah. completely like from the goodness of their own hearts. I mean, clearly there's some kind of overarching metaphor there that Mira was going for, like bringing down the knowledge of murder from the godly mountain just seems extremely symbolic to me mm -hmm. and yeah it was cool to uh just see a lot of these things that showed up in berserk presented in a different way i mean i mentioned like all of their dads kind of just looked like uh the apostles from from berserk like the fat kids smiling dad is like literally the first yeah giant evil bad guy <laughs> in berserk. like literally that's him right there yeah I really, really, it's a real shame that the whole crossbow warfing shoe, you know, because that was like, I'd wait for that shoe to drop the entire time I was reading this. And they'd be like, this is going to be very good at killing people in war. And they were one chapter away from that. Yeah, it was entirely their fault for inventing something that would completely drastically increase the number of casualties during war. Yeah, it's difficult to talk about this series. Because I think, like, we basically only got the intro. We got, like, the fucking preface. We got, we literally got six chapters out of what was probably going to be, like, 50. Yeah. It's just sad when you read it, honestly. Yeah, but I think that's a good segue into getting into where it could have gone, where we could talk about what we were hoping we were going to see. Does that sound good, Ross? Did you have, sorry, did you have any other positives you'd like to bring up, though? No, 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 no. Ross, I was once on a podcast where it was an hour and a half long recording and I actually checked my audio and I spoke for 14 minutes. So ever since I've been highly paranoid to make sure our guest actually gets to talk on our recordings. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ross, where do you think Deronky could have gone? <laughs> Realistically, like where couldn't it have gone? Like <laughs> you're in a, in a battlefield where like the gods exist, you know? Like, yeah. It could go like a Scooby-Doo style monster of the week thing. It could be that Manticore was actually part of a nest. It kills all of the village, the Tassi Tassi village. And then all of a sudden you've got like Kurta and all those crew are like, oh, we're going to get revenge. We're going to fucking take this to the goddamn gods here. We're going to, they're the ones that made these motherfuckers. We're going to go deal with this problem. And they become like uh, pest control, I guess, using like, uh, who like great ingenuity. Could be like, oh, they find the crossbows, they tie it up in a big war. Uh, the entire village is murdered or whatever they end up i don't know there, there, there's so many different directions that this could go yeah for all we know kurta could have died in the next chapter as well yeah. right like that would have been interesting like let's be honest what are the odds of him winning that fight no not very high the crossbow is doing basically nothing realistically it hits him in the eye or whatever and it's fine but like yeah for all we know Muir was like what's the catalyst for sending like our main character off the deep end it would be like you know a boy that was interested in them yeah. or whatever or, like maybe like the kind of first love interest to this person in their early life is just murdered in cold blood in front of their eyes by a gigantic yeah. monster uh yeah take it from there yeah <laughs> i'm curious i wonder are people familiar with Soul Eater and Fire Force? I'm familiar with Soul Eater and vaguely familiar with Fire Force. Are you, Ross? Couple episodes of each. 
Is it okay if I say a, a spoiler? Yeah, yeah, no, go for it, go for it, yeah. All right, so massive spoiler, so I don't want to skip ahead. So essentially, it turns out Fire Force is a prequel to Soul Eater in that all of the weird intricacies, mm. like the origins of witches and the entire social, is based on things that evolved from it. I'm curious, do you two think that this series was going to loop around and actually be somehow related to the Berserk universe if it had gone on long enough? This just feels like an extremely meta textual response to Berserk in some way. Like to me, what I feel like he was going for is it's like, oh, look, we have this nice little thing. We have these characters. They're having like a good time as kids. You kind of recognize them. They look like Guts and Griffith and the Band of the Hawk. And like, look, it's nice. But oh, as you know, David, even in nice times with nice people, mankind, war has to happen. You know, isn't that the real tragedy of it all? These people, they're in like this wonderful little world and they just cannot escape escape the violence of mankind. That's kind of what I think he was going to go for. I think that this would eventually keep ramping up into more and more tragedy. I also think that at one point, Usum was absolutely 100% going to invent the machine gun crossbow from Berserk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I just that's the origin of how Guts got his arm his is that arm. they made it for him. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't think there's been any implication that gods be real in Berserk, so I'm not sure if it could tie around. I guess, like, characters like Usum Gallo that look similar to Griffith. I mean, like, the thing is, like, the guy that made um, Fairy Tale... Uh, we actually just read a manga by the creator of Fairy Tale for our most recent episode. Exists in multiple of his work, I believe, and then, like, Rave Master, I think, yeah. as well. Like, mm. So, like, I guess it's, like, one of these things that sometimes, like, authors do where they, like, one aspect of, like, their older works transpose into a, their, their future works, but then yeah. people go, oh, is this the same universe? And it's like, well, I don't fucking know, man. I'm just, I'm just drawing shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that this is the same universe I mean, it definitely feels like an alternate universe, for one thing. I will say, like, I think there are gods in Berserk, it's just they're horrifying and not at all nice or good things that you would ever want to encounter, you know? Mm. I, like, they're not happy little nymphs dancing in the woods in Berserk. They are terrifying creatures. They're the Hellraiser. They're from Hellraiser. They're the yep. Cenobites. There are, but then they turn into, like, gigantic weird moth creatures and they oh, lure people in and stuff like that. And I believe there was, like, one couple a couple of panels of something like that happening at one point. <laughs> yeah. Just after the eclipse. Yeah. yeah. So speaking though of gods, you know what could have been a cool twist is what if at the end they end up becoming the god of war? Like all these inventions they literally just invented. <laughs> all the modern military weapons and like the crossbow was just the tip of the iceberg. And then Kurt is like, wait guys, I don't like the name Kurt anymore. Call me Kratos. That's video game war, Bozo. It's <laughs> Ares. Ares is the god of war. You know it is because yes. he kills him in the first one. Yes. <laughs> they would be more like Athena, I would suppose, out of the two God of Well, Usum would be. Usum would be. But yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, anyway, I feel like we're getting into miscellaneous plot territory. My thought is that it kind of reminds me of God of War. Yeah. You know what? It's uh, I, I think it's just Journey to the West again. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. It's Dragon Ball yeah. all the way down. It's just Dragon Ball. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah. Coming down the mountain, you know, like fucking. The Manticore is Siddhartha. But, uh, yeah, somehow, let me just do some metal gymnastics here. Hold on, give me a second. Yeah, who's who do you think is Frieza, though? That's my real question here. In Journey to the West? No, and, uh, and, 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 and no, and this manga we're reading. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, in this manga. <laughs> you know that? The bigger kids give me some real Vegeta vibes, dude. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Absolutely, you know. But yeah, the miscellaneous thoughts. It's weird how they... Is that actually the etymology for crossbow? What? It can't be. Where they're like, oh, you caress the bow. Huh. Caress. Cross. Crossbow. Like, I swear to God, that's what they were doing. Like, what the... F Probably more like a Christian iconography because it looks like a cross, right? Oh, no, 100%. I think that that was something that makes more sense if you say it in Japanese. Yeah, I, sure. I guess it's weird that like they make this shit and then they're like, yeah, we already know the name of this. They make an aqueduct, which I presume is the first of its kind in that show. But they're like, he made an aqueduct. And I'm like, they how really the fuck can, do you know what an aqueduct is, brother? What the hell, Noah? I know you're like, you know, you've been in here for a while. Kind of seen all at this point, man. The floods and shit. But like, you know what an aqueduct is? You know what irrigation is? <laughs> Yeah, they were like, oh, whoop-de-doo, big deal. That's nice, Usum. You just completely revolutionized their entire lives. That's sweet. Thank you. Yeah, the Industrial Revolution wasn't very important. No. One thing I do want to say about this, the environments look incredible. When they are in the village of Tasi. holy shit, that looks amazing. And not only that, but it looks like Mira takes a lot of inspiration from like uh, classical artists. And those in particular specifically look like they were taken from Peter Bruegel paintings, which unfortunately I can't spell for you because it's complicated in Dutch. But as Dutch always is as Dutch always is. So they're just like these massive Babylonian structures and it's it just looks amazing. I think it's really cool because they I think they're like they're like a, they, they broke off from another nation, right? And I think yeah. like they're hiding and like just like even just from like an actual militaristic standpoint, it looks like a village that's hiding underneath a valley for like the protection, like military protection. Like there's only one way in, one way out. They have like they're safe here because like they can't be attacked from any particular side. Like it's like smart. It's like shit that I would never think of, but the village is believable. And, you know, that's kind of the real strength of Mira. He does think like that. He didn't just mm -hmm. go, oh, here's a nice village. It's like, no, they're over here. They're in here. They're hiding from this. And they don't even really he doesn't even really call super close attention to it because I didn't even I didn't really notice that till you pointed it out. And yeah. that's 100 percent true. And I think that he just really gets a ton of mileage up out of that. I also want to call back to something that, Ross, you mentioned where you said, uh, what if Kurta just dies in the next panel? And you have a point because the only reason reason I was thinking Kurta would win is because I think he looks like Guts. But that's not textual. That's not in fucking Duranki. That is just a meta thing that I noticed. Because you're right. Why the f why would I think that this child could defeat the Manticore? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe he's doing that to fuck with us, really. Yeah. Because he knows that, like, this looks like Griffith. And we obviously have a predisposed, maybe, notion to be like, I hate Griffith. I hate Griffith a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you're kind of like, all right, this isn't Griffith, just looks a little bit like Griffith. And then you got all oh, this character kind of looks like Guts. Okay, I kind of like Guts. And okay, yeah. And then maybe they're just like, you know what? Griffith is a good person in this one. Yeah. What if Griffith was a good guy? Yeah. And instead, Guts dies in the first seven chapters and <laughs> you're going to have your heart torn out. But it's not Guts. Guts is still alive in this other universe that still exists yeah, or what yeah, have you, okay. like at the time. Yeah, it's not Guts. It's Mira just going like, why did you think that was Guts, huh? Huh? Yeah. I didn't say that was Guts. They look like Guts to you? <laughs> yeah. That, that sounds like a you problem. Well, a little also. Silent Hill 3 reference there. Yeah. I get it. I don't know if he's that evil to do that, though. I don't know. No. But, well, like, I, 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 realistically, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, he's a Deus Ex Machina or some kind of MacGuffin to kill this Manticore right now. Yeah. What if Guts just shows up? 
<laughs> and then they have to talk about why does he look so much? And he's like, Mom, who is actually my dad? And then she just dies before she answers. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so Tucker, though, wanted us to know the location in the epic of Gilgamesh is likely located in modern day northern Iraq. The mount in the final resting place of an ark that the god Eniki ordered. These are some very complicated words. And these stories of massive floods covering the world are actually pretty common in early mythology. A theory about why they are so reoccurrent is because they stem from oral traditions dating back to prehistoric times at the end of the most recent glacial period where sediment records show massive floods in many areas of the world. So it's very interesting. I didn't know that. Wow. So it's very interesting why flooding is such a common story passed down. It's also just like a universal horror that many cultures have experienced. But I think that that makes a ton of sense and is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of crossover as far as like um, every religion and, and their like mythology behind it is concerned. Like Christianity and, and Islam like share like a lot of the same prophets as well. Oh, yeah. Like it's all kind of intertwined, baby. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about the big boat necessarily, but certainly lots of the floods. Hey, uh, you ever notice how every depiction of God in the Renaissance era looks exactly like Zeus? Crazy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's not an accident. No. But shall we go into our final verdict? Yes. So I'm going to start off with some six-word summaries from the community. From Tucker, Epic of Gilgamesh featuring Dr. Stone. T. Wolfwood, Naked Children are Extremely Unnecessary. Frowny Face. Mm-hmm. Do. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, what he said. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Laughing Fool, the gods must be an engineer. Nice. I get it. That's pretty uh, good. Yep. And then, uh, Ross, how about you? What was your six-word summary? See, I've toyed with a couple. My initial one was, why the kid's naked, though? Uh, But, like, (laughs) realistically, just, like, what the hell is going on? Why, what the hell is going on? It was more in relation to what I've already talked about. Like, you know, some guy pulls up with like essentially like the medieval equivalent of like a a machine gun. And everybody's like, ah, cool. (laughs) He basically goes to the 1800s with an AR-15. I just feel like there's not nearly enough fanfare, but like ultimately, I've yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can respect that. I, I think that. those are good. How about yours, Jordan? Guts deserved a nice, loving family. Oh, I likewise had one that I complained about the naked children, but I think enough we've already complained about that. So I just thought of one during the recording where I'm going to say Mira's asset flip of Berserk. <laughs> Nice. Because it's literally, what if Berserk, we reuse the same art assets from Berserk, but use different characters. This is kind of like the Majora's <laughs> Mask, where it was the same game, but they just use the assets differently to make a new expansion. It's the Steel Ball run of Berserk. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Next, though, Ross. So overall, do you think this series is a flop or not? <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's six chapters. Like It's like 15 minutes and you're done. Yeah, right? I can't, in good conscience, be like, yeah, man, again, it's not like One Piece, you're like, no, I swear it gets good after like 400 chapters, like 400 episodes, that's where it really starts getting good. It's like, no, yeah. like, you could have it over a cup of coffee, you could read the whole thing. Th- that's the worst part. We don't know if it was good or not, because there's not nearly enough. We- there's no way to tell. Should we create a new rating where it's a DNF? I think it could be a banger if it kept going, because oh, I think there's so many yeah. directions to take in, and like, uh, but shit. <laughs> I know, it's hard. So here's the thing. I think that this series literally jumps like three ranks if you consider it a Berserk spinoff. If you read Berserk and then read this, it's just better. Like, it improves the series. But as it stands, yeah, it never quite... It's like it's about to get good, but it just doesn't quite get there. Like, as it is right now, it's really hard to judge this because, like, I'm just gonna say it's not a flop. Fuck it. Yeah. You can read it in, like, five seconds. There is a question, though, right? If you were Mm -hmm. a complete fresh newbie to manga and all that kind of culture right and you had no idea the pedigree of Mura mm. 
would it still hit the same though? Like, let's assume you don't see Musum hmm. Gallo as like vassal of Griffith and like Kurta as like a vassal of like Guts, and you had yeah. none of the preconceived knowledge and context of of like twenty years of Berserk behind your twenty, however many, no, it's like twenty five or something. I think, but it's yeah, long ass time, thirty years. I can't remember when it was released, but like, would that have the same? I I don't think it would. Absolutely not. You're right. I mean, it's also, no one should read this as their first manga because also, like, the child nudity <laughs> is a very real problem. Yeah. Taking that aside, the actual, like, you know, I mean, it's great art, but, like, you know, yeah. unless you're like, oh, this is Mura's work, this has got to... Let's assume you read it when it, came, when it was coming out. It's tough because, you know what, you're right. It is a flop, but it didn't have to be. Maybe it wasn't going to be. Yeah. We'll never know. But that's the thing, Jordan, is we can't base it on its potential because we could yeah. have done that for every other series that had a really That's cool true. idea. Like Red Hood, super cool idea, fucks up real badly. And you're like, wow, that would have been really fun if the offer hadn't gone canceled. It's just how it works. You got to judge it on what it was. So in isolation, what do you think of these six chapters? And I think Ross, that was a great point to bring up. Yeah, I think I got to call it a flop then. It's just sad as we have them here. If you haven't read Berserk, I would not really recommend reading it. If you have read Berserk, I do recommend reading it. I like that. This is Mura tier. We're putting it into its own tier, Mura tier. Yeah. DNF, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that, that that would have continued as a series because nobody's turning fucking Mura down, you know? No. There's no way, there's no way that was getting cancelled as a, a standalone manga. Like, that yeah. would have continued if Mura could have continued. So, like, yes. it would never have stopped getting sales and being read. It would have gone on to be as long as One Piece, basically. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like, DNF slash Mura tier, I think, for me, is, like, where it lies. I agree. A regretful flop, I would say. Should we all just say in Unity, everyone should just go read Berserk then? Yes. Oh, for sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so it's DNF, Jordan. We'll figure that out when it comes to ranking next year, how we want to place this. Yeah, I will also say, um, yeah, don't watch the most recent anime of Berserk, but like the 90s anime yeah. is actually like pretty fucking good. It is. That's the only Berserk media I have fully consumed. Oh, well then, yeah. It's okay, man. It's not as good as the manga. The manga is the best. Nothing's as good as the manga. The manga but... is absolutely far and away the best version of Berserk that you can read. We don't get much animated, like, black swordsman content, no. man. Listen, mm -hmm. just, I know it looks like ass, but just, like, I don't know. If you're new to Berserk, you probably don't care. <laughs> but if you've been reading it for years and you're yeah. star, you starved of content, pre-Mura a passing, then, like, it was like, yes. oh, man, more Berserk stuff to watch. Don't play the games. I I mean, maybe play <laughs> the games. It's the same story. I don't know, man. It's all they're not great, <laughs> but still, man, I don't know. Being a Berserk fan is suffering. Yeah. Look, just fucking read the manga. Just fucking read Berserk, okay? Just read Berserk. You want a little bit of extra space. You want some moving pictures. You want to do some button presses. So you can you can play the games and you can watch it. They're not great. They're just like popcorn trash yep. like kind of content where they've got a great story behind them. So <laughs> Yeah. Excellent story. Excellent characters. Yes. Absolutely. I'm just saying, Mura has nothing to do with the anime and he still yes. carried it. Apart the story. His story carried everything else. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good. But why don't we go, though, to the shoutouts where we can talk about other things people should listen to just as we wrap this episode up. So I want to start by saying, Ross, thank you so much. This has been a total blast. You have done nothing but made me more excited to go to Scotland now that I've <laughs> truly had the best of Scotland talking with us today. Do you mind telling the audience a little bit more about yourself and all the wonderful things you do in the world? If you don't like League of Legends, you can fuck off. 
you're all good, brother. Don't worry about that. You don't have to come check me out. It's all good. You can subscribe to these guys on Patreon, though, what have you. Apart from that, you can maybe hey. check out shoppsycho.com. That's shop, S-E-I-K-O-U.com. That is our clothing line with Japanese East Asian-inspired streetwear. We work with East Asian artists. And we got a cool range of, like, tarot cards. If you're into some of the occulty shit mm. uh, with a little bit, of, little bit of East Asian flair, We've got a whole line of tarot card inspired like big print t-shirts and stuff like that you can maybe check out as well. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I'll I'll actually have a good style, maybe. I mean that'd be nice. Nice style. Good dress nice. Nice style, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I also want to give props to Jordan though for making the opening any theme, being a great co-host and helping with editing. Thank you, David. And I would like to give pro- props to you too, David. Oh, thanks, babe. I just want to give props to Mara Lyle for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Lyle Mert and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Thank you, Dylan, for assistance with the editing. You can find his podcast, Anime Out of Context, at AnimeOutOfContext.com. Thanks to Tucker and Maxi B for assistance with pronunciation, translation, and other miscellaneous research. Thank you to T-Root, Ozzy Rat, and T-Wolfwood for being our awesome transcription volunteers. You can find them on our site as they become available. Just a note, we are always looking for more volunteers for the transcripts. It really helps make the show more approachable. You get my eternal gratitude shout out in the episode and of course, some other really awesome perks like free merchandise. So if you're interested, please feel free to send us an email or message me on the Discord because it really does help the show a ton reach out to more people because, you know, not everyone is is able to interact with a podcast through traditional means. Yeah. I also want to say you can find us on Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website, ShonenFlop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever else you get your podcast and come join the Shonen Flop Discord. It's open to everyone, patron or not. Come hang out with us, talk about anime games or whatever else is on your mind. We even have a monthly movie night. You can find link to it in the show notes or on our site and if you've been enjoying the podcast and want to help us keep going consider subscribing to our patreon wouldn't be able to keep running the show without their support get a ton of awesome perks like exclusive content including us catching up on ppp seeing how well teen titans holds up in our first impressions on new shonen jump series like kane banashi i actually went to a rakugo show on thursday and oh man that was rad as shit whoa yeah it was a great time really yeah so next time you're in new york there's one so there's one non-japanese dude who's a certified rakugo master so i saw him perform that's cool he's a Canadian guy who moved to Japan when he was like 20 and learned Japanese as an adult. That's the otaku dream. <laughs> and you could even be joining us during the recording warm-ups and deciding what series we cover next. Find it at patreon.com slash flop. So, first of all, I want to give a big thank you to our Chainsaw Man patron. Hey, Rem's kick-ass girlfriend, forget him. Can I be your big titty harem waifu? Moving on down to the dolphin dad, we have tracking roving animals for all loving girls in Reckon's Wolfwood. Then the king of the forest, Albie, Cram, Gabe Lando, Jacob Andrew Galloway, Josh Robinson, Marty, Rachel, my wonderful girl, friend. She's getting her wisdom tea for moves, so I'm going to get her some banana pudding. Scarlet Myrmidon, tea, the real Jory, and Trevor Schechner. Thank you all yeah. so much for helping the show keep going. I also want to give a big shout out to our Galactic Ball Federation patrons and our Beast Children. And then Jordan, anything uh, you want to give a plug on that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah. Hey, guys. Do you like Kentara Miera? I like Kentara Miera. I did a really cool painting of Kentara Miera on my Instagram, Jordan Forbes Art. Check it out. I also have been doing a bunch of paintings of Denji from a little manga called Chainsaw Man. I don't know. David, have you ever read Chainsaw Man? Don't answer that because that's obviously a joke. Anyway, it's also my birthday today. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. If you guys want to go give me a a present, you could just go and like my posts on Instagram. Thank you, please. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) I thought you were going to say send me money. Well, yeah. All right. So all that's left to do now is let's go to sign off. Woo. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next Monday as we give our first thoughts on Duran Duran. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Ross. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. 
still gotta avoid that copyright, I guess. Yes. Bye!